to invite Terry. Terry is my dad, for those who don't know. Um, I'll do a little intro. For those who don't know who Terry and Fran are, Mum, do you want to just stand up? Just so, for those who don't, maybe you might have been praying for my mum as well, so it's great that she's still here today and not partying up in heaven. My mum's had a, quite a traumatic um, time physically recently and still healing, aren't you, Mum? Yeah, do you know where you are, Mum? Do you know, do you know who I am? It's not that bad. Okay, uh, Muriel, you can sit down. Um, no, but just uh, just thank you for praying for my mum, and please continue to pray. For those who don't know, this church started about 48 years ago, 49 years ago. Is that about right? I'm just counting how old I was. Was I one? Two? Two? One. So 25 years ago. Um, my mum and dad just... Uh, my, uh, yeah, well, you haven't got time, Dad, so it's just so much to get through. Um, my, my dad just felt to leave his, uh, leave his work and just um, be available. People would turn up at the door. That was the very, very beginning, wasn't it? That was the pre-Elton Green. Uh, and then we moved down to number four, Elton Green, and then the church uh, grew out of that and then went to Betty's at number one, Elton Green, and then grew out of that. And about 40 years ago, we bought this building, which is an interesting number, isn't it, Dad? So, yeah, and uh, mum and dad are still involved in ministry and very much supporting us here as well at the church. So, yeah, so it's great to have them back. Give some sake to do. Thank you, John. Great. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the ministry, Lord, that you are, you have and are continuing to do through um, my mum and dad. Lord, we honour them. Lord, we are here because of them. And Lord, we just are grateful for what that you are still uh, wanting to use us, Lord, and you're going to use us, uh, use my um, dad this morning to bring a word. May we be those, Lord, that are ready to listen, ready to respond, and to put into practice what we hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, John. I'm on. Am I on? I'm yeah. on. Well, it's lovely to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me to spend this next hour or two with you. <laughs> you know, when you get old, you've got lots to say. The difficulty is finding how to make what you say shorter than it ought to be, should be. And, uh, but it's lovely being here with John and uh, my lovely daughter-in-law, Jana, and just people we know. And it's, it's great. And if you haven't seen me before, my name's Terry. <laughs> uh, and it's a real privilege to have the invitation. Uh, when I first st stood on this spot 40 years ago, uh, I think just over 40 years ago, there was a big Wesleyan pulpit there. There was a big, huge communion table there, uh, rail there. There was a lovely communion table in the middle. And there's a big wooden cross on the wall. And I thought, we'll get rid of those. <laughs> we were radical in those days because we wanted the gospel of Jesus Christ to be simple, not complicated. I wish I hadn't got rid of that. <laughs> I could be walking up to now, standing on the top. It was, it was a wonderful. We had a great friend who used to live at Betty's house at number one when she lived at number one Elton Green. 
Uh, we called it Eltham Green Fellowship in those days because we lived in Eltham Green itself. The area is Eltham Green, but we lived in Eltham Green. And Alan and Betty joined us uh, round about 1976 or something like that. And of course, we outgrew her lounge. Uh, I suppose 130 on a Sunday is pretty big. Um, and we, we only moved there because we couldn't get more than 100 in our lounge. So God was working and moving and transforming lives. And uh, anyway, we, we bought this building. It had a big grand piano, which I really coveted. Unfortunately, when we moved in, gone. I was very disappointed. But we've been singing about one word, didn't we? You remember it? With one word, he stilled the storm. Uh, I want to talk about two words. Uh, uh, the two words are this, in him. And you know, the Bible's full of that phrase. In fact, you read so much of it from the words of the Lord himself, from the Apostle Paul. He, he, he wants us to know that everything you need to know about God is in him. Now that sounds simple, doesn't it? All you need to do is come to a place where you are in him. And so my mind flashes to various scriptures. I hope it does to yours. Perhaps some of the most famous ones. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter seven, uh, 5, verse 17 says, If any man, or let's say if anyone, is in him, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And I suppose when you look back at your life, you realize that God has a plan for you. Even before the foundation of the world, he set his heart on you. And of course, when you come to this place with Jesus, the disciples uh, were talking to the Lord, or they were listening to him, asking him questions. He, he was telling them that he was going away. He had been on this earth for just under, well, just over 33 years. And he was telling them that he was going to die on a cross. They didn't believe it. They didn't want to believe it. They wanted him to save them from the world in which they lived, which was the Roman world at the time. And they just couldn't accept that this fact that Jesus had to die. And so, you know, they... Some of them were pretty strong about it. Peter got rebuked by the Lord because he, he wouldn't accept the fact. He said, you can't. Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. I've got, to, I've got to die. But then he says this in John 14. Uh, he says, let not your heart be troubled. I don't know if there's any troubled hearts here this morning. I don't know if you've got worries or concerns, but he said this, you believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions, it says in my New King James, abiding places, places to dwell. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then responding to a question from Thomas, Jesus says to him in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And if you go through the scriptures, particularly the words of the Apostle Paul, you will come across this word about uh, over a hundred times, about 106 times. Paul uses the phrase, in him, in Christ, in himself. And you begin to discover that the secret of living this Christian life is simply to live in him. You know, I had this little conversation with Francis uh, about whether you get in a train or on a train. <laughs> All right? Now, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, or I've, I've travelled enough to remember that when the Indians travel by train, they travel on it as well as in it. <laughs> in fact, sometimes you see more on it than you do in it because it's free up there. <laughs> but you wouldn't get that on uh, Southern Rail if they're running. But when you think about trains, you, I say to you, I, I, I just got on the train. Well, you, you, you know I'm in it, don't you? And it's important to know that when you get on a train or in a train, you have to get in where you want to go. Now, if you live down on the coast like I do, uh, you get on the train before anybody else does <laughs> uh, because there's no one else. It's very handy when you've got two suitcases uh, and everybody has to get in and sit round your suitcase. But God wants us to get in him. Right. Now, if we go on in Romans, uh, here's chapter 6. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death? We were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. If, for if we have been united together in the likeness of death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. You remember, of course, the Apostle Paul talks in these terms. He says, I am crucified with Christ. And I guess most of us in this room would know a time when God de dealt with us radically in our hearts and saved us. You know, we're using goods spiritual language here, aren't we? Saved. What has God saved us from? 
Well, he saved us from our sin. He saved us from ourselves. He saved us from eternal death. He saved us to live in relationship with him. I am in him. And Paul, well, I can't do better than tell you what he says. (laughs) This great apostle Paul. He says in 2 Corinthians, in the first chapter, he says, For all the promises of God in him are yes. In him, amen, to the glory of God through us. He says in chapter 2, he says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Amen. Amen. That's life, isn't it? he's, he's, He's in us and he's leading us and he's directing our steps. We're going where he wants to go because he is in us. Now, let's, let's picture this. We've got to understand that we are the dwelling place of God. Isn't that a miracle? Well, I think it is. That God lives in me. Boy, does he live in you? You see, when you get up in the morning or wake up, if you don't get up immediately. The first conversation you have is with the person who's in you. Do you find that? A kind of, I mean, you don't have to say it like this, but good morning, Lord. What do you want me to do today? I I have to go down and make a cup of tea. Well, that's what I do first in the morning. And then I spend some time with the Lord. I I find that the best time of the day. But I want to do that because I am living in a relationship with him. He goes on. If we go into the book of Galatians, where I mentioned about the Apostle Paul, that's chapter 2. He says, It is no longer I who live, verse 20, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am in relationship with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He goes on to say, look at Ephesians, it's full. It's it's interesting, in the introduction to the book of Ephesians, in my uh, Bible it says, Ephesians is addressed to a group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Jesus Christ, yet living as beggars only because they are ignorant of their wealth. Now, I don't know how much you've got in your bank account. (laughs) I'm not asking you. You might not have anything. But in your heavenly bank account, you have billions. 
I've just been to Zimbabwe. When I was there last, I could exchange one US dollar for a million Zimbabwean dollars. That was when, in, that was in 2007, when I went there in that time. Three weeks later, I could exchange my one dollar for 300 million Zimbabwean dollars. That's called inflation. Inflation was 2.6 million percent. And in one of Celia's recent emails that she sends out weekly, she said that it's back again. Inflation. They, they abandoned the Zimbabwean dollar and they brought in the US dollars there normal currency and they decided that they didn't like using that so they got back to the Zimbabwean dollar at one to one. It's now 500 to one. And people are poor, no stability. He said, we're living as beggars because we are ignorant of our wealth. In our heavenly bank account, there is adoption acceptance, redemption, forgiveness, wisdom, inheritance, the seal of the Holy Spirit, life, grace, citizenship, ensure every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You know, we are rich because God lives in us. Of course, it has lots of implications, doesn't it? If God lives in our lives, the sort of people we are, the things that we say, the things that we do. And maybe sometimes we feel we don't live up to the privilege that we have in Christ. Let me look in the book of Philippians. This is what Paul says. He says, for me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Colossians. He says this, he says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. We're in him. But if we go back to that book of Ephesians, let me just highlight some of those things that are in our heavenly bank account. And today, it's all free. What God has on offer will not cost you a Zimbabwean dollar or a pound. Because what God wants to bring us into is the privilege of living on the inside of you and me. And for us to live in him. And that's what Jesus said in, when he was talking to his disciples. As we read on in John 14, I'll read it to you. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, comforter, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. It's amazing, isn't it? You can't be lonely as a Christian. Because Jesus is faithful. He says, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. John could tell you his testimony of when Jesus came to live in him. I think he was 19, 18, right? A day happened when Jesus came to live in him. Francis will tell you that she was 12 when she sat in a meeting in the Honour Oak Baptist Church in southeast London, when she heard the man preach about Jesus, apparently her Sunday school teacher said, if anybody can be a Christian, if Francis can be a Christian, anybody can. <laughs> so I don't know what sort of person you thought she was. <laughs> But I think the Sunday school teacher was very pleased that she had become a Christian. <laughs> Andrew, our oldest son, was at primary school, came home one day and said, they're talking about witches, Mum. And she said to him, if Jesus is living in you, Witches can't touch you. The next day, when he got up, he said, Mum, I asked Jesus into my heart last night. Can't remember what happened to him. <laughs> I, was hoping, I was hoping that Kezia, Kezia, our granddaughter, uh, is uh, in the country. And you may remember that some years ago when she was 19, in fact, it was two days before her birthday, she was driving home uh, from work uh, when a driver who had decided to take up drugs was in his car, came out of a turning and squashed her car into half. Fortunately, she was on her own, otherwise both of them would have been killed. She had 11 fractures and she had fractured skulls. She was in a, uh, in a coma for eight days. She's walking, I met her walking down the street with her baby just now. She's a miracle. Do you know why she's a miracle? Because God is in her because she gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. First person on the scene was a off-duty ambulance man in his car with oxygen. 
saves a life. See? Because God has a plan for our lives. And it shows it, isn't it, that God sets his plan right in the beginning of time. But when does this happen to us, this encounter with Jesus? For me, I can look back to when I was 16. I don't know why, I just knew that there was somebody (laughs) stopping me having fun with my life. (laughs) I watched all my friends doing this, that and the other and I thought, it's not fair. (laughs) I feel feel that I can't do it. I won't tell you what they were doing, but you can probably guess. But there was something nagging away at me. And I began to respond to that thing inside. And I made a commitment. I became a believer in Jesus. Got baptised. Sadly, I didn't find the Lord at that time. So I struggled a bit. A bit like the Ephesians. You know, the Ephesian church, we read about them in, in uh, Acts chapter 19. Uh, Paul meets them and he, he looks at them and he says this. He said, um, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What? Oh, no, I don't believe that. I believe it happened in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. It's, it, it, it's, we've got our Bibles now. <laughs> many people believe that you don't need the Holy Spirit. But he said, well, we've been baptised unto repentance in John's baptism, and he prayed for them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said would happen to us. And when you have an encounter with God like this, I tell you this, that you are a new person. Yeah. You know, I've been listening uh, to a lot of uh, online preachers. It's been COVID. See, actually, I've, I've really enjoyed... Uh, well, I won't say I've enjoyed COVID. I haven't had COVID, by the way. Uh, the, the season where you actually think, well, what am I going to do this morning? The church is shut. So, you know, and you look, and I, I, I started watching R.T. Kendall. He, he was a preacher at Westminster Chapel for about 25 years. And he talks about his own encounter. He said, I was 19 years of age. It's amazing where God starts with people, isn't it? You look back to your teenage days and you will discover that God has been working on you and bringing you along until he can bring life into your heart. He was 19, he was at college, his father was so pleased with him and his grandmother was so thrilled that she bought him a brand new Chevrolet. He was the only student at college that drove up in a brand new car. (laughs) And he thought, you know, I I think he thought he was something. Anyway, he had a past 
a church he went to at weekends and he would preach there and he would drive back on a Sunday listening to the radio. He said, but this time he said, I felt I had to just pray. And, and so he was praying, he had a couple of hours praying and then he began to hear Jesus speaking. He heard the conversation between Jesus and the Father and they were talking about him and saying that they believed together that he, could, he wanted to receive the Holy Spirit into his life. And so he had this amazing encounter with God. He said, I was transformed. His life was, he went back, told his father, his father took, told him off for going off track. His grandmother was so disgusted with him that she took the car back. But he was changed. Jesus said that that day, in verse 20, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. So the Ephesian Christians received the Holy Spirit when Paul prayed for them, and Paul is writing to them. In verse 3 of chapter 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Are you blessed this morning? This week? this month. Blessed. You know, when you read the stories of men and women, you realise that God has started his plan with them from birth. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God begins with you? It says in verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You're chosen. You know, Jesus says, you have not chosen me. I'm so glad I'm part of a God who chose me. And you think, well, am I chosen? Well, let me reveal a little secret. I think he chooses everybody. It's not his will, Peter says, 2 Peter 3 verse 9, that any should perish, but that everyone should come into relationship with him. You believe that? You believe that there are people in this room who God has set his heart on from the very beginning of time, even before he made the world? You know you're that special? I'm so glad I am. Because if I'd had my, if I'd done it my way, and boy, I'd think of all the mistakes I've made, it'd be hopeless. Of course, we make mistakes. That's the great thing we shouldn't do, but we do. But God seems to have an ability to work things out for us. Here's a question. How old was David, you know this of course, Bible scholars, 
when Samuel came to anoint him to be king over his people. Everybody know? Hmm? Sorry. He was a teenager, yeah. You're right. He was 14. Did you get that? The reason why I say that is because when Samuel came to visit his father Jesse and says, I've come to anoint one of your sons as king, he got out the oldest and the biggest and the strongest. And, and Samuel said, surely this is the one. And he said, no, I'm sorry, it's not. <laughs> So he got through all his sons and he says, have you got any more? He said, well, there's only the littlest on the fields. Try to fetch him. And then put this little 14-year-old teenager. Been out in the fields. And he anointed him. How old was he when he fought Goliath? A teenager. He <laughs> was a teenager. Think of it. God is working in these young people. Oh, I tell you this, have a passion for young people. Have a passion to save young people. Because, you know, they're all rebels. Well, they start off rebels, don't they, John? <laughs> I could tell you some... No, I won't. <laughs> You'd like me to, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's a good thing it's, I'm old now. So. On this one, you will know. Who was... How old was Joseph when God set his journey or set his journey for him. It's in the Bible, it tells us. 17. And Joseph, in his 13 years of experience, because it took 13 years for Joseph to prepare the man that he wanted him to be, because he wanted him to become the saviour of the world. That was the name that Pharaoh gave to him when eventually he stood before him. It was an amazing journey. Do you think sometimes the journey you and I have taken, you don't know what's happening to you, why, why it's happening, like for Joseph. He's only, well, he was a bit of a, you know, I suppose a spoilt boy, they reckon. And here he is with all his fine clothes that his mother, father made. A coat of many colours, not very good dress for a shepherd, but anyway, you know, looking over to see his brothers, and of course, his brothers, all ten of them hated him. They hated him. You know what it's like to be hated, I'm sure. You know, it's it's one of those things that you might happen to you in your life. You get hated, and of course they decide to do away with him. But he's chosen in Christ, to use the, word, the scriptures 
that we should be holy and without blame, being predestinated according. He was set. Anyway, in the end, after his journey, met his brothers, you may remember if you know the story, and they were terrified of what he might do. Second in command of Egypt. Could have had them all executed on the spot. It's Joseph. What are we going to do? So don't be angry with yourselves. It wasn't you that sent me, it was God. God works his purposes out. Here's another question then. Who, how old was Jeremiah? You know? Jeremiah, the prophet? The great prophet. It says here, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. They reckon he was about 17. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Fear, a terrible thing, isn't it? Stops us saying what we want to say. The word of the Lord, by word, the Lord stilled the storm. And you'll find that it's by a word that he saves a life. Could be a life in your family. Could be a life in your office, in your workplace. I, I don't say that in Bexhill on Sea because I don't think anybody works. I think we're all retired. <laughs> or at the school gate. A word. In the morning when you get up, you say, Lord, give me a word for today. And then you wait for the opportunity to speak it. How old was Samuel when God spoke to him? <laughs> he was 12. <laughs> they reckon, right? But boy, didn't he have a word to speak. Eli says to him, tell me what the Lord said. He didn't, he didn't want to tell him. But you know, God wanted to bring a message to the corrupt system of worship in his day. And maybe God's got a word to say to the corrupt system of worship in our day where things now go on that should never go on in our lives, in our churches. I think it's tragic. May God always keep us in the truth. 
He's predestined us. You know, he set us on course. I'm on the train. I was thinking of that chorus on the Gospel Express. Come along, answer yes. We're going, leaving for glory soon. And the God, I can see him in pictures. We had people whistles and flags in this room. Do you remember? <laughs> Long time ago now. And then you start singing and somebody will go up there. And people going yeah. remember that don't you Esme we are it says predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasures will in verse 7 he said in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, when God saves us, he makes us clean and pure. It's his work, salvation. You know, I talk to a lot of people. I have a privilege. I have a, a weekly phone call. I, I, I met her nearly two, two and a quarter years ago at a conference. And she responded to the message, and I, I haven't been able to get back to, to talk to her about her response. So we ring up and chat. You know, some people don't believe that they can have their sins forgiven. Can remember a lady over here one Sunday that I was speaking. She came to me afterwards and she said, God could forgive me my sins. I want to tell you, that God is in the business of forgiving sin, every single bit of it. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because it's in him we have forgiveness. Perhaps one of the... Oh, you haven't got a clock, have you, in here, John? Where? I can't see that. <laughs> oh, it's 12. What time do you finish? You're going to say, just carry on, aren't you? You've got to be brave. You've got to be brave and say, we finish at 12. <laughs> Have you been forgiven? It's in him. Jesus has died on the cross at Calvary to forgive everyone their sin. You know, sometimes we don't confess our sin because we're ashamed of it. But it's the will of God. We have redemption. You know you can't get into heaven or into the house without the shedding of blood. One of the greatest pictures in the Old Testament was the deliverance of the people of God out of Egypt into the promised land. They had to come under the blood and in the sea. The blood was the shedding of the precious blood, which Jesus says was his. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, says in Hebrews. And the going through the sea is the washing away and the baptism. And everyone who was in the 
in the house the saved. I sometimes picture, I've got a picture on my mind, I sometimes think of, 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 of mum and dad saying, Johnny, you make sure you're in tonight because it's, the Lord's going to pass over and everyone who's not in the house is going to die. Oh, I'm going to go out with my friends. You be in this house. <laughs> you see how it's important to get hold of our kids. Sorry, children. I bless God. But we we can pray for them. Then you pray for your grandchildren. And you keep praying for them. And we pray that God will save them. Every one of them. Keep at it. It says, finally, finally, in him you also trusted. I can remember the day I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. I went home to my parents and I said, I've become a Christian. And he said, what do you want to believe all that for? You've been sending me to Sunday school for, since I was six. <laughs> but I'm so glad he did. Maybe it wasn't him that sent me, it was God. Believe that? God is in control of your lives. Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you still trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? I was in Australia. We were just about <laughs> to come home. We were just having a barbecue. And Francis decides to die on the spot. Well, her heart stops. Fortunately, it, she did come round eventually. You want to hear the wonderful story of me in the casualty. <laughs> she doesn't remember it. Uh. <laughs> but you know, we trusted God. And you know, just to prove how much we trusted him, she did it again two days later. <laughs> but, you know, we trust God. We have to trust God every day. And to trust God, you've got to keep in touch with him. Not because you don't want him, you don't want your wife to die, but because you want to keep in relationship with him. Are you in him? You know if you're not. If you're not, Jesus says, the door is open. Come unto me, all who labor and heavy laden. Come to me. He's come into this world for everyone. I bless God he came for me. I pray that he'll come for you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that the secret of our Christian life is to be in him. We thank you, Lord, that you're a wonderful saviour. You're a wonderful Lord. 
You're a wonderful provider. You're a wonderful keeper. You're the God who cares for us. And it all happened before we were born. When you set your heart on us, your people, the, the people of the world, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, John.